Battel for Kids is proud to present the EdSpark podcast with Dr. Karen Garza. Battel for Kids is a national not-for-profit organization with the mission of realizing the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. Well, hello, Melvin. It's so good to see you. You as well. Appreciate you uh, spending a little time with me today. Look forward to the conversation. Uh, Really enjoyed our friendship and partnership over the years and just you know, you're always so gracious with your time. So thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. So uh, excited to learn uh, kind of where you are now in your, in your journey. Uh, Melvin and I um, have known each other for a while and spent a good bit of time in partnership around the work that you led in Reynoldsburg city schools. Now you're in Montgomery uh, in Alabama. So um, the reason I was intrigued to talk with you today is you know, you've led this work to, with great success in another district. Now you're in a completely different context. And and I know that you're passionate about this this work. So, um, you know, how are you thinking about this work as you're getting started in a new district? And so that's kind of what I really want to explore today uh, is, you know, oftentimes superintendents will say, how do I get started? You have a unique perspective on that because you've done it. Mm-hmm. You've led this work. Um but now you're in a new place and how are you thinking about setting the stage for success in this new district? So just to get us started, if you'd first sure. um, tell us about Montgomery uh, County Public Schools, just tell, you know, let our listeners understand a little bit more about yourself and your school district. Sure. Uh, Montgomery Public Schools, Montgomery, Alabama, um, obviously the uh, birthplace of the civil rights movement is here. Um, we have numbers of historical issues that we still continue to overcome um, in terms of what the school district looks like and how it's constituted. And part of my work to come in here is to help uh, bridge what those inequities look like and create spaces for all kids so they can be successful. Um, I think we have a great deal of success with the numbers of kids we, with the number of kids we have here, but many of our kids are not being successful and we need to create systems that allow that to happen. Uh, we're about 26,000 kids. Uh, very urban environment. We're about 95%, 98% free reduced lunch. Um, lots of poverty in our community, and at the same time, high aspirations for what we want our kids to be able to contribute in the future. Um, part of this work uh, will allow us to really identify how we want our kids to grow from a citizenship standpoint, not just the academic components of things. Um, oftentimes in school districts, your focus when you come into a school district that's been troubled and has academic achievement issues, you want to go straight to the heart of the matter and start dealing with those issues when you, uh, it's, it's incumbent upon us to make sure we deal with those other pieces as well, because they can drive the academic work. Our kids, um, deal with a lot of issues coming from their homes and in their neighborhoods. Um, we have a lot of violence in our community, um, just like any other inner city. Um, we have some issues in some of our schools, just like, many other schools across the country, and uh, finding ways to uh, have our kids deal with those issues in more productive ways is part of why we want to do this work. We want to be able to sit back and say, uh, our kids have these competencies, whatever they might be, that we'll develop as a community uh, that they have, that all of our kids have when they work across the stage. We know that's going to make them more successful students, and then more importantly, uh, more successful citizens in our community after they graduate. Um, So there's a lot of work to do around that. Also here, that work hasn't quite gotten off the ground yet because we've had foundational things we've needed to build uh, to make sure we have all those things in place that allow kids to be to have platforms for success of just to start. Um, 
the, the inequities across our district are, are fairly stark. And um, having to address those requires us to really take some homage or take some time to really look at what is in place um, in some places versus others and, and create what that should, should, should look like. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of work to do on the foundational portion of things before we can actually build on what we actually want to be. Uh, it's very long-term work. My hope is that we have the patience to, to muddle through that long-term work and not expect miracles in eight months, the eight months that I've been here. So, oh, I really like the way you put that. And I'm going to come back to how you're talking about the unique challenges in Montgomery County schools, um, particularly as it relates to the urban condition. I want to come back to that in just a little bit. But first, I want you to also tell us a little bit, just to set some context. So that's Montgomery County Public Schools. Now talk uh, a little bit about your your experience at Reynoldsburg schools mm-hmm. and the work that you led there, because it might provide some cool context for mm-hmm. maybe how you're shaping this work in Montgomery County. Sure. Reynoldsburg is very different. When I arrived there in 2017, we were about, uh, I think, two, no, three years removed from a, a strike, a two week strike uh, where teachers were not in buildings and kids uh, we're not getting uh, appropriate instruction, and there were rifts in the community um, that separated the school district from um, those folks who wanted to see things happen for their kids. So there were a lot of a, a lot of um, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, there was a lot of opposition, and we needed to heal some of that stuff before we could actually get into the real work. Uh, so part of what we will, this project, the whole notion of creating a portrait of a graduate there was really a way to not only support our kids, but a way to also unify the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could have uh, X number of competencies we all could agree with, gives us an opportunity to get in the room together and spend time and talk about the important things in life for our kids, not just uh, how we can heal from a strike. Uh, so I think that was really the impetus for us to get that work off the ground. In conjunction with that, we had some inequities that look very different than the ones here in Montgomery in that, um, particularly at the high school level, we had two high school campuses. One was seen as uh, uh, more affluent and more uh, resourced, better resourced than the other. And those are things we needed to eliminate as well uh, from a perception standpoint and from a reality standpoint. Uh, so again, having something to coalesce around that was unified and, and consistent gave us an opportunity to do some of that work. Um, I think it helped us, helped us to foster some really good relationships with our community. Um, I think people understood we all were um, focused on making sure our kids were able to do these things, whatever the, the competencies that were in place there, so they could be successful. And it actually helped us have some conversations with some parents, particularly um, post-George Floyd incident and uh, the difficulties that some districts have had dealing with um, inclusion and diversity in their in their districts. I think that gave us an opportunity to have real conversations with parents. I, I recall a situation where uh, we were, were pretty uh, adamant that we were going to make sure all of our kids felt included, and we were working with uh, putting in some place in place some things to support the LGBTQ plus students. And some parents had some issues with that, and we brought them right back to our portrait of a graduate and said. These are the re- things we said we wanted to do for all of our kids. Um, that's why we're doing these things in order to support all kids. And, you know, we got to the point we had some really good conversations uh, that parents came to have with us, with those other parents to say, no, this is not this is not acceptable. We want to do this. We want to make sure all of our kids have a, a 
place to come and be comfortable and be to feel included and supported. So um, that work uh, helped a lot academically, but it, uh, it, I think it helped even more so socially. Well, I, it, you know, the, the notion of educational equity, you have to t- concern yourself with how kids are bringing their own uh, authentic selves to school, you know, and, and meeting their needs or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it baffles me why, why that's become, for some people, you know, uh, a lightning rod kind of conversation. That's what we, why we all exist. Uh, yeah, it's leaders. disheartening. It is very it's disheartening. Very disheartening. And thinking that, you know, the way I live my life is the way I would expect everybody else to live theirs. It's not appropriate. Um, You know, if you don't like the way someone lives their life, their life, then don't live your life that way. That's your choice. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, this whole notion of of imposing our 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 so-called values, uh, I won't I I use that word loosely uh, on others to, to 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 be just like we are. That's not what life is supposed to be about, particularly in the U.S., and, um, you know, I, it, it's a very difficult time to be in this, in this work right now. It's, it just is. And um, I'm hoping that I have the fortitude to continue and other leaders across the country continue to have the fortitude to do it as well, because our kids deserve that. Um, when we're fighting well, against, we fight against enough things every day to have to fight against legislators and uh, the powers that be, that only contributes to uh, the erosion of our ability to be successful. So, uh, it's difficult. It truly is. It, I know it's difficult, um, but I also know you have you do have the fortitude and courage uh, to do the right thing, and that's why I've always admired you, Melvin, um, to stick to your principles. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and we have to do a lot more of that, right? Um, so that kind of really sets the stage, I think, really well for this next question, and that is around your personal why. You, you are, have been a leader in this work nationally. Uh, you're on our Ed Leader Advisory. You've been um, presented all across the country around this work. I know it's a, a, a personal um, priority for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so l- let me hear a little bit about why you think Portrait of a Graduate, kind of this new kind of focus on 21st century deeper learning, why you think that's important for our country, for leaders all across the country, uh, to consider and um, make part of, of their work? I, I think it's so important because we need to build a more empathetic society. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to when the accountability movement started, probably late 70s, early 80s, and all of a sudden schools had all these, we were basically measured by test scores. And so schools, including me as a principal, uh, made the mistake of saying, okay, we're going to focus on these test scores, we're going to focus on test-taking skills, and we're going to uh, drill and kill these students to make sure they understand or they, they know these facts they can regurgitate on the test. And I think we lost something in that, in that work. We lost the ability to think. Uh, we lost the ability to empathize. We lost the ability to be able to work together. And I think now here we are 40 years later, and I think um, that orientation has shifted because now the business community and folks in our civic organizations realize that was a mistake, but yet we're blamed for that taking place, although we were responding to their needs. So this work, I think, tells us, it gives us an opportunity to have kids not only to learn content, but to apply it in real life context, and then to become the types of citizens we need to solve the world's problems. Um, We have a lot of issues, not only nationally, but internationally, that need attention. And I think, um, I'm gonna pick on my own generation, I think we did a really poor job of addressing some of those issues. 
I think we were very, uh, we, we were taught to be very selfish in terms of how we went about our business, um, how we went about what success looks like, and we were very self-oriented. Uh, I, I want our kids to have a more civic engagement uh, orientation that allows them to see themselves in other people and how it's important for everyone to be able to rise. I think this work, you know, if we're talking about being a global citizen or being an effective communicator, uh, being a, a good collaborator, these are all things that the business community says it wants. But it's also these are also things that our, our world needs. And if we're unable to provide those types of skills, those types of uh, that type of learning, um, then we miss a great opportunity to do something beneficial. We obviously in schools, we want to feed our children's brains so they can learn and grow and flourish. But we have to feed their hearts as well. And I think this gives us an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I'm just I, I'm, I'm very focused on trying to create a more empathetic society. And I think this work allows us to do a lot of that through our kids and our kids get it better than we do. Um, so uh, in some ways, I'm very jealous that they get these opportunities, uh, but really, really thrilled to be able to provide those opportunities to them. Yeah, I think you and I both can can think of examples where we give students really authentic um, um, you know, situations that are occurring in their community and engage them around those uh, kind of solving those challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I both would say that we've always been impressed with what our young people can do mm -hmm. right, when given the opportunity um, to contribute at that level. Um, also, um, I love the way you describe that. And I think it's also important, I think, for our listeners to, to know that Portrait of a Graduate and the skills and everything that you just described that are so important for success in the workforce and as citizens, which you described Absolutely. so well, is also that is lined up with the science of learning. We know we know young people, adults, adults alike, learn better when they're more authentically engaged in their learning. Um, and so I think that's I think that's what we're all trying to get to is all these things you just described, plus lining up. Um, how we think about learning in ways that line up with how people best learn. Absolutely. Uh, it just gives us such an opportunity to do things that are new and different that can allow us to stop admiring problems and actually solve them. Uh, our problems of today aren't going to be solved by us. Our, our kids are going to be the ones solving those problems, so we need to make sure they're equipped to do so. A 21st century education purposefully integrates rigorous academic content with the skills and mindsets that prepare students for success now and in the future. Does your school system have a future-focused vision for every student? Our Portrait of a Graduate design process helps you build a unifying collective vision by engaging your community, educators, students, elected officials, community members, and families. Bringing together these diverse perspectives is essential for enduring educational transformation. Battelle for Kids has supported hundreds of school systems across the country in designing their unique portrait of a graduate. We would be honored to support your important work too. Visit bfk.org portrait to learn more and get started with your school system's portrait of a graduate. That's bfk.org portrait. You talk so eloquently about your why and real, with a real focus on, on students, which I so appreciate. I'm going to ask you to shift gears just a little bit because I know you're also passionate around how this work lines up with the needs, the hopes, the desires of our workforce as well. Yes. You, you led the portrait of an educator design work. 
So if you could also talk about your why in this work as it relates to the adults within the system. Absolutely. Uh, if we're just speaking strictly about education as an, as an example, um, you know, the teacher shortage is a real thing that we have to confront nationally. And that teacher shortage is not going to go anywhere. It's going to be with us for a while. It's been with us for a while. It's just a little more start post-COVID. Um, if we're not in, a, in the business of creating new and different ways to bring people into the profession, to bring kids to be interested in education, uh, our industry is going to suffer greatly. Uh, we're in a position now, just here in my district, we have roughly uh, 400 or so emergency certification teachers who are coming from business and industry who've got emergency certifications going to classrooms because we don't have enough folks doing that. So we now have an opportunity to build our own cohort of teachers for the future. Uh, and we need to be very purposeful in doing that. So in building a portrait of an educator, um, you're looking at all the things that you want us as professionals to have in this industry and how we want to be able to uh, provide kids with the best opportunities to be successful when they come to school. So um, that's how we want to go about recruiting people. That's how we want to go about inducting people into the work and, you know, being creative in terms of how we work with our post-secondary partners to attract um, people into the field or to our individual districts. Um, we've talked here with our post-secondary partners about allowing them, us to get access to them when they're freshmen and sophomores so that we can get them connected and they can foster relationships and see what this really looks like. So we can not only um, uh, kind of support their interest in coming to education, but perhaps we can change some people's minds about other industries and bringing them into education just by having those relationships. And at the same time, we want to identify kids who are in our classrooms right now in seventh, eighth, ninth grade and start working with them to cultivate that orientation toward education. Uh, if they get opportunities to work with teachers in classrooms and learn these competencies that our teachers have, now all of a sudden we're building our own cadre of, of, of students who can become our teachers in the future. We also want to bring our business partners to the table to help support those students when they go to college uh, and, and pay for school so that they can then have a commitment to us. I, I think if we're going to look at the whole notion of the porch of an, of an educator and how it impacts our workforce overall, um, we know this work is going to continue to be difficult and perhaps even more difficult based on some things that are happening in some other states across the country that I, I, I won't mention at the moment. Um, it, it's not attractive right now. We haven't made it attractive. And so we've got to be very purposeful about how we do that so that folks will want to come into the industry. Um, I would think back to myself as a college freshman. I think it was my uh, the summer between my freshman and sophomore years. Uh, that's when I declared English as a major and decided I wanted to teach. But going back now, if you bring that year, I'm not going to mention the year because I date myself tremendously. Uh, but if we bring that year circa right now, I'm not sure I would make that decision based on some of the things our teachers have to confront. Uh, and we have to be purposeful about how we're going to address some of those things. Uh, obviously, the exterior forces that are changing and, and influencing the types of work we do in schools, that's part of it. But also the things that happen in schools, uh, dealing with SEL, dealing with the, the mental health issues that students bring to school, or that we bring to school ourselves as the adults, um, how we deal with violence in our communities that then shows up in our schools. Um, I think for some folks, it's it's almost scary to come work in schools. Um, and that's, that's never something I ever considered when I was going into education. I just never thought, um, you know, if I go do this, it's not a safe environment. It just never resonated with me in any stretch, any way, shape or form. But now people have to have that 
that consideration before they decide to jump into this world. And um, we have to fix that. I don't know all the answers and toward doing it, but I think this work allows us to address some of those issues. Um, if we have all of our adults who are complying, if you will, with our standards in terms of what our portraits of educators look like, and they're able to walk that talk every single day, that gives us an opportunity to be successful. You parlay with that with the, the portrait of our graduate competencies, and let's say 100% of our kids are meeting those standards as well, all of a sudden, all those other issues are gonna be diminished. Um, so that's the work I think we have to do to not only change the work for our kids so they're more successful, but to make the industry more successful in terms of how we're able to attract talent that may want to go in classrooms and work with our kids in the future. Um, we're we're in, a, in a in a weird space, and I don't know. I don't want to call it a tipping point. Uh, I don't know if I want to go, go quite that far. But if we don't do something quickly to address some of those issues in education in general, uh, we run the risk of having some very serious implications for what the future of this country looks like, <clears throat> and um, that scares me quite a bit. Um, I never would have thought, you know, in all these years, I think this is year 29 in education. I never would have thought, you know, we'd be in a space where school would look so much different now than it did then. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you, Melba. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that we, we've got a real serious, many, many serious issues on our, on our hands. Uh, you know, one of which is this pipeline challenge and keeping our classrooms uh, staffed with high quality, well-trained uh, teachers. That is very, very challenging. And you described that so well. I think it is um, certainly the political environment and the way teachers, you know, and educators in general are being perceived in the public. That does not bode well, I think, for our mm -hmm. pipeline. Um, I agree with you. <laughs> Uh, but I think, too, your, your other point around, we also have to make sure the work is really satisfying. And I think, you know, with the era, era of accountability and the real focus on, um, you know, high stakes testing and, you know, uh, all of that, I think we did, you know, I think we did create conditions where a lot of our teachers found the work very unsatisfying. And, you know, I'm finding, I think you're, you are, too, if we, the more and more we can get back to this kind of work, it's the kind of work they, they were really, they wanted to do as educators. And I, I feel like there's wonderful alignment there, but I agree with you too. It's very complex. Uh, it is. In general, right? Yeah. I think back to when, um, when I first entered education, my first opportunity to be involved in education, I was working as a teacher with the Upper Bound program of which I was formerly a student. And that was the most satisfying teaching I had because I didn't have all of these guardrails I had to stay in. We could obviously have standards we wanted to hit and we wanted one of the things we wanted to make sure we conveyed to kids. But we got to be creative and flexible in the types of things we want to do. And I had a ball. And then, you know, here we are years later and all our teachers do is they tons of training all the time for whatever it is that we have them do. Then they have to implement that training in practice. Um, in some districts, we're using scripts to actually teach uh, content every day. I mean, how how can that be satisfying if you're one who thinks from a very creative and exciting sort of orientation and you want kids to be able to be free and, and have fun in class? Um, it, it's really changed what this looks like. And, you know, I, my daughter is a kindergarten teacher. Um, it's her third year this year. And when she was going into education, I'm guilty of it myself. I struggled 
and supporting her to do that. I wanted, I was like, hey, you sure you don't want to do this? So maybe you want to do that. And um, she decided that is what she wanted to do. And I worry that she's going to end up having second thoughts about what she's gotten herself into. Um, you know, year three to five, that's when we lose them. And um, she's in year three right now. So I worry about her leaving the industry just because of the types of things we have to do now. It's not it's not as as, as enjoyable as it used to be. And I, and I think people are catching on slowly, but surely, you know, we have some states that are thinking differently about their education policies, you know, looking at portrait of a graduate statewide mm-hmm. and really shifting kind of all of the policies and practices around it. So, you know, this, as you pointed out earlier, this work is slow, It is, um, but, but I think the stakes have never been higher if we don't, if we don't, um, really advance a different vision for education now more than ever before. The stakes are, are very, very high, uh, not just for education systems, but I think our economies, our communities, you know, you know, there's so many things that connect to the quality of schools in the community. Um, and I think, I think sometimes- that's the piece that's for me, the, the work in creating a portrait of a graduate, I think what's so unique and, and, and impactful about it is because it is done on the local level and every district is different. Every community is different. And being able to tailor that based on the needs of your community and your area, I think is so crucial to the process. If we ever get into a place where it becomes a state mandate and the state says you have to do X, Y, and Z, I think it loses some of its impact because it's not as, as, as uh, tailored toward the needs of individual communities. I think that's what makes the work really unique, and fun, and impactful on a local level. Uh, so I'm hoping we're able to maintain that. And um, I'd love to see the spread of it and folks get excited about it across the country while still understanding the need to have local uh, implementation of that so that folks can can foster the needs they have locally. Um, That's a legislators very get a hold of it, we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I'll tell you, Melvin, you put that so well because we'll often have state agencies call us. I mean, we just helped uh, the state of North Carolina develop theirs. And we're very careful about you know, because we know of some states, I won't mention who they are, who mm-hmm. actually developed a portrait with a small group of people and then man- mandated it. Mm-hmm. And you're you're so right. That miss- really misses the point. You know, the grassroots part of this is yes. really where the power, the power comes from, right? Really uh, in- authentically engaging your community a- around shaping that vision. Melvin Brown has served as superintendent of Montgomery Public Schools in Montgomery, Alabama since 2022. He has 21 years of school administrative experience, serving as superintendent, deputy superintendent, and director of human resources. Additionally, he has experience as an elementary and middle school principal. You can learn more about Montgomery Public Schools in this episode's show notes. The Ed Spark Podcast with Dr. Karen Garza is a production of Battelle for Kids. Visit bfk.org to learn more about how we are helping to transform education systems nationwide. That's bfk.org.